Thank you for tuning in to the Eastern Star Church podcast, where Jesus is exalted and the word is explained. Please remember to like, rate, subscribe, and share this podcast to be an encouragement to someone else. This week, Pastor Jeffrey A. Johnson Sr. revisits Acts chapter 2 to explain the importance of a spiritual reset by reminding us that God has a comeback plan for our lives. We pray that you are blessed by this message and know you have everything you need to bounce back. God bless. In the NFL, they have a, well, they have a lot of awards in the NFL from offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, MVP, coach of the year. They have a bunch. But they have an award called the Comeback Player of the Year. And in the NFL, the Comeback Player of the Year is normally awarded to somebody who went through some kind of difficulty in the previous year. They were hurt. They were injured. They were out of the league. Some were traumatized. I think it was back in 2010, 2011 that Michael Vick, was the comeback player of the year. This is after all that, the issue with the law and two years in jail, and he was able to get back in the league and led his team to the playoffs, and he made it to the Pro Bowl. He was the comeback player of the year. Andrew Luck got it one year. We all remember in Indianapolis when he got injured and then came back and still had his skills. He was the comeback player of the year. I wanted to bring this up because some of us have been injured in the previous year. Some of us have been hurt. Some of us have been traumatized. Some of us have even gotten out of the game. We are not where we used to be with God. We definitely need that spiritual reset. And so today I want to talk about getting ready for the comeback. I just know that no matter what's going on in the previous year, I serve a God of restoration. I serve a God that can reconnect you. I serve a God that can restart you, reset you. And I want you to get ready for the comeback. I want to finish what we started last week in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, I'm going to begin reading with verse 42. I'll read it from the New Living Translation. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in their homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Getting ready for the comeback. Greg Popovich is the uh, future Hall of Fame coach for the Antonio Spurs in the NBA. I think he's the longest tenured coach in the history of the NBA. I think all of the major sports from basketball, football, hockey, baseball, nobody has coached one team longer than he has. Gold medal winner, five championships with the Antonio Spurs. He was asked by reporters, how is it he's able to win so many championships and have the ultimate victory time and time again? 
And he said because he convinces his players that you cannot skip steps. That too many people are trying to get the ultimate victory while skipping steps. He said you have to go back to what you're supposed to do and then do it again. Even as I share the gospel with you today, this is not going to be revelation for most of us. Yes, there are those who are listening who've never invited Christ into their life, unfamiliar with the word, they haven't been baptized, they haven't spent time connected to the house of God. That'll be revelation for them. But for most of us, this is not revelation, this is review. Because some of us have fallen by the wayside because you tried to skip some steps. You're not as victorious in the kingdom of God as you used to be is because you tried to skip steps. So what I want us to do is to go back to what we're supposed to do and then do it again. Preacher, what does that look like? Well, it says here that this is, this is after they came together in the upper room, 120 got filled with the Spirit. They began to speak in other languages. The Holy Spirit gave them the ability to do that. Peter started preaching and 3,000 souls got saved off of the witness and the preaching of Jesus. And they got baptized. And then right after that, it says, and they continued, King James Version, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, that they were devoted to the apostles' doctrine. We, we have to get back to what we know we're supposed to be doing and then do it all over again. And that means... Being successful, having a successful comeback entails um, staying with the Word of God. Some of us have forsaken the Word. Some of us have put down our Bibles. Some of us have not spent as much time in Scripture as we used to spend in Scripture. And Jesus said the Scripture is the Word that comes from the mouth of God. So if we're going to make this spiritual comeback in the kingdom, it's because we get back in God's Word. It is, it is being devoted to the apostles' doctrine. What is the apostles' doctrine? Well, the apostles' doctrine is the same doctrine as Jesus' doctrine. In, in, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, Jesus said, I want you to go, therefore, into all the world and baptize and teach them, teach all nations. Well, Jesus, what do you want them to teach? I want you to teach them what I taught you, what I commanded you, what I want you to observe. So the apostles' doctrine lines up with Jesus' doctrine. So when we're really in the Word of God, it ought to line up with the Apostles' Doctrine because the Apostles' Doctrine lines up with Jesus' Doctrine. That's why we can't accept teaching from anybody. And some of us who turn our back on the Bible, on the Scriptures, it's not because something's wrong with the Bible, it's because of the doctrine that didn't line up with the Apostles and Jesus. I ran into a young man, young minister, in, in the grocery store. He walks up and introduces himself, tells me what church he's connected with, lets me know he's a minister. And then he said, Pastor, I'm having issues with some of my friends. They reject the Bible because in the 17th century, white slave owners were using the Bible to make black slaves more docile. He said that they were twisting the truth of the Scripture, of the Bible, to make slaves line up with what the slave, white slave master wanted them to do. I said, this makes no sense at all to me. So they know that the white slave master twisted the scripture. 
But instead of rejecting the one that twisted the scripture, they rejected the scripture. I wish y'all were getting this today. Why would you reject the Bible because somebody else misinterprets it? Why don't you reject the one that misinterpreted it and learn what the doctrine of the apostles and Jesus is all about? We got to get, all I'm trying to say is we got to get back in the word of God. The word is a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my pathway. How can a young person cleanse his way, Psalm 119, by taking heed to the word of God? Still in Psalm 119, hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Heaven and earth will pass away before one jot or tittle of God's word. Yo, the world will be on fire and God's word is still going to be here. We have to get back to studying the word and submitting to that word and sharing that word. And for the first time in our life, or with the comeback, we'll be satisfied. I preached for a church in, in Mesa, Arizona, Mount Calvary Church, Dr. David Wade. And in his office, he has framed in his office... It says, it says, love the word, learn the word, live the word. If you want to make a comeback, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, then you have to fall in love with the word of God all over again. And then spend some time to get the right interpretation, the apostles' doctrine, Jesus' doctrine, and learn that word. And after you fall in love with it and you learn it, then start living it out in your life and you can be the comeback person of the year at the Eastern Star Church. But it doesn't happen when you forsake God's word. I, I ran into this study by, by Stanford, and Stanford said they spent 50 years looking at this. And they've come to this conclusion with their research that, that children who are in homes of poverty and whose parents are uneducated have a word deficiency. Here's what Stanford says. You can do your own research, but Stanford says that when is a household that has resources, that has some finance, financial stability, and the parents are educated, they've been exposed, they've had certain experiences, and they're educated, that those parents in that household use more words in the English language so that their children have a two or three year advantage over other children in poverty with uneducated parents because they call it a word deficiency. Now you can disagree with that study, but I do know this, when those of us who claim to be Christians and we don't stay with the word and we don't teach our children the word and we don't meditate on that word and we're not explaining that word to our children, y'all, there's a word deficiency. And no wonder our faith is wavering because faith comes by hearing, hearing by word of God. So we're going to have this comeback. We got to get back in God's word. And it says, and in fellowship. Fellowship, that's Greek word, it's koinonia. It is, it is uh, that unity. I'm, I won't spend a lot of time here because I dealt with that last week with the unity. They were all with one, King James Version, with one accord in one place. They had concord. They had this unity. That's this fellowship. And so I won't spend a lot of time there because I've, I've already visited that last week. But I will say this, that in the text it says that they got together every day. And when they got together every day, it was at the temple. It was in the house of God. So this unity, this koinonia, this fellowship, this fellowship is not cookies and Kool-Aid at church in the fellowship hall. 
This is koinonia. This is that unity. This is that being on one accord. This is that concord, that coming together. And they did it at the house of God. Because the reason why some of us are falling away in our faith is because we have fallen away from the church. So if we're going to make a comeback, we got to stay with the church. It requires staying with the church. And they did it because they said, well, you know, I know Jesus, so I don't have to go to church. No, go back to what you know you're supposed to do and then do that again. What are we supposed to do? Whatever the scriptures say. And the scriptures show us that the church met at the church, that the people of God met at the place of God, at the house of God. They went to the temple, they did it every day, and they worshiped God together. That was significant for them. I'm trying to move on from this. But the reason some of us can't make that comeback and get that reset is because of our disconnect with the church. We have to get back to the house of God. Look at it this way. When Because people say, well, I got Jesus. I don't need anybody else. I got Jesus. Okay, look at it like this. Because you're a Christian. You're Christ-like. You're a follower of Jesus. Well, Jesus went to church, to the place, to the building, to the house of God. When Jesus was eight, eight days old, we find him in the, in the house of God, in the temple, because his parents took him there so that the priests would bless their baby at eight days old. We see Jesus again in Scripture when he was 12 years old. It was a holiday for the Jews. So his family came from Nazareth, went to Jerusalem, and they were in the house of God, in the temple, in a place, in a building where believers went to worship. And when, his, when, when the worship was over, his parents went on back to Nazareth, Jesus, as a preteen, stayed in the church and was still communicating with the leaders of the temple, of the house of God. This is after his parents had already left. Then, when Jesus began his earthly ministry, when he went around the nation, y'all, yes, he preached at, 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 the, at the Oceanside and Sea of Galilee, and he, he preached uh, outdoors and on hillside, but he also preached in the synagogue, in the house of God. He preached in the place where people who believe went to worship. And when he went back to Nazareth after having this very popular and powerful ministry, he goes back to his hometown in Nazareth, and Mark says, and he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day as his custom was. He went to the house of God. Here's what I'm trying to show us. And I didn't mean to spend as much time on this, but if Jesus' parents felt the need to take Jesus to church, I don't know why y'all ain't helping me with this. <laughs> then surely we need to make sure our children are connected to the church. If Jesus as a preteen understood that even when my parents aren't here, I'm going to be at church, then certainly we need to be at church. And when Jesus, whatever community he ended up in, ended up in church, we need to go to church. And no matter how popular you are, no matter how many followers you have on social media, no matter what, what kind of prestige you have, everybody knows who you are, how much money you make, if Jesus had all of that and he went to church, then surely we ought to go to church. And I will just testify, it was at the church, at the church where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. Now I'm happy all the day. You have to stay with the church. And if you're going to make this spiritual comeback, you've been hurt, you've been injured, you've been out of the game, and then you said, I got to get myself, I got to get back in this, then it said that they, they participated in the Lord's Supper. They internalized 
They embrace and internalize the Lord's Supper, communion. That's what that breaking of bread is all about in Acts chapter 2. So they didn't just go to the house of God, but they were breaking bread. It actually said they were breaking bread in their house. And they went from house to house breaking bread. That's, the, that's not just having a meal, y'all. It's the Lord's Supper. It's the Eucharist. It's, it's communion. It's getting together to remember the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. We cannot take that for granted. The breaking of bread is a constant reminder to us about what Jesus has done for us. In Scripture, when you see meals and table and all of that, sometimes it's a reference to resources, right? He prepares a table, Psalm 23. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy. It, it refers to resources. Sometimes a table, shared a meal, is not just about resources, it's about relationship. Because Psalm 23 starts with, the Lord is my shepherd. Then he gets to, he prepares a table. So I got a, a relationship with the shepherd. He provides the resources. Even in the Old Testament, when David first became king of Israel, he was trying to find somebody in Jonathan's family because Jonathan, his best friend, helped him to become king. Now Jonathan is in glory and he wanted to bless somebody in Jonathan's family to pay Jonathan back. Well, he found one of Jonathan's sons. He was broken in both legs. And, and so, but it didn't matter. The king brought him to his house. And the Bible says, and he ate at the king's table every day as one of the king's sons. He ate at the table. That's, that's resources. But he ate there as one of the king's sons. That's relationship. But now this meal is not just about resources and relationship, it is about redemption. When you read this breaking of bread here, it's a reminder about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ for us. Because in Luke 22, and I read it to us earlier as we shared in communion, in Luke 22, before Jesus died on the cross, he pulled out some bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it. This is my body that is broken for you. And he took a cup and it had wine in it. He said, this wine represents the new covenant that is in my blood. And, and then when the Apostle Paul got a hold of it in 1 Corinthians, he said, as often as you do this, you do show the Lord's death till he come. It is a reminder to us. But the reminder with the breaking of bread, the reason why we need to keep doing it is because we need to be reminded that Christianity has pain to it. Too many of us are trying to have a Christianity without pain. Jesus said that if you come after me, you got to take up your cross and follow. We can't have a crossless Christianity. And when I was a kid, we used to say, must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone. And there's a cross for me. There is, stop thinking something's wrong with your Christianity because you're experiencing pain. And stop trying to have a Christianity without the cross. All of us got to make sure that we understand, and how do I do that? By breaking bread, that we have to have this consistency and persistence, and don't just go through the motions with it, y'all. It is for you can remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us and the fact that we need to make a sacrifice. Paul said, if you don't suffer with Christ, you can't reign with Christ. So if you want to reign with him, you got to suffer with him. And the issue here is, and I like the way the King James Version reads it, it says, breaking bread. We like to read Matthew 6 where Jesus gives bread. When you pray, pray, our Father who art in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. 
we like to talk about the fact that he gives bread, and he does give bread. God will give you a house, he give you a car, he give you a job, he give you money, he give you clothes, he give you a wife, he give you a husband, he give you children. God, God will give bread. Everything I have, God gave it to me. He gives bread. But now, Acts chapter 2 says, don't just focus on the fact he gives bread, but focus on the fact he breaks bread. And in Luke 24, after Jesus died on the cross and raised him from the dead, and those disciples were on the road, that Emmaus road, going from Jerusalem back to Emmaus. Jesus walked with them for seven miles. They didn't know who he was till he got to the house and broke bread. And their eyes were open. They knew who he was. The reason why some of us are wondering, where's Jesus in this pandemic? Where's Jesus in all this social injustice? Where's Jesus in this racism? Where's Jesus in all this poverty? He's right here. But you keep thinking he only gives bread. So if you're going to make a comeback, you can celebrate the fact he gives bread, but you got to recognize also he breaks bread. And it's in that breaking of the bread, I remember his death, burial, resurrection, his sacrifice, his pain, and I know everything is going to be all right. Because he came back from that breaking and God raised him from the dead. When Lady Sharon and I were on sabbatical, we were in Maui, one of the places we went on that, on that Hana Highway. And we were going up I to, I don't know how many miles, two, three miles up this, this winding, twisting road. And really, the journey is the important part. And so as we were taking the journey, our tour guide would stop and then point things out. She stopped and pointed out these trees. I forgot what kind of trees they were, but they were real tall, and the branches were very high up on the, on the tree. She said, but if you look high up on the tree, there's some bark missing from these trees. She said, the reason why the bark is missing, she said, because that's where the mother bears go and teach the baby bears how to climb trees. I had never heard that before. That mother bears teach the baby cubs how to climb trees and embrace and hang on to the tree. Because one day these baby bears are going to be 400, 500 pounds, but they ain't that now. They're like three or four pounds, and predators, even other bears, come at the baby bears. So the mother is teaching her babies how to overcome opposition. How do you overcome predators and opposition coming at you to take you out? She teaches them to climb the tree, embrace that tree, and hold on until things get better. Now, I brought that up because Peter said, the Apostle Peter said, that Jesus died on the tree. And when you and I embrace, even in hard times, if we just hold on to the tree, everything is going to be all right. And those baby bears can hold on to that tree for three days. If they can hold on that long, surely you and I can hold on to the tree that Jesus died on for us for as long as it takes to overcome what we're going through. I'm rushing this today. You, you want to have a successful comeback? You want to be the comeback person of the year in Christianity? You got you to gotta make sure you keep praying. There's got to be some consistency and persistency and regularity when it comes to prayer. It's a trick of the enemy to try to rob you of your prayer life. That's what it says in the text. And prayer. When you pray, your prayers touch three worlds at the same time. Your prayer goes up to God in worship, it goes out to humanity and work, and it goes down to the devil in warfare. No wonder the enemy is trying to keep you from praying. The enemy is trying to have you doing everything during this season. You marching and you getting people to vote and you voting and you trying to help with social justice and all that's significant and important. I do all of that, but I don't do it without prayer. I, I ran into a friend of mine on, on Saturday. He was trying to encourage me about 
what I'm going through now, trying to offer comfort and support, Pastor Ken Sullivan Jr., New Direction Church in Indiana. And I said, man, I, somebody handed me your book this week, your new book that he wrote when I was on sabbatical. So I didn't get it. He sent me a, a, a copy that, uh, that he signed for me. And I said, man, I, I read half your book on yesterday. I appreciate this. In the season I'm going through right now, this book means a lot. I said, now, that book is, is about uh, prayer works, right? I said, I thought that was the title of the book, Prayer Work. So Pastor Ken Sullivan Jr. said, no, it's prayer still works. He's trying to remind me, don't skip steps. Go back to what you know is supposed to be done and do it all over again. Y'all, prayer didn't just work in the Bible. It didn't just work for the early church. Prayer still works. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, you can ask what you will. It shall be done unto you. James says, the effectual and fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. When we, as those in right relationship with God, go into prayer, prayer gets much. Is there anybody in here that know prayer still works? If you're going to make that comeback, you're going to have to get back in prayer. And to have a successful comeback, it, 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 also, it also takes, it, it involves generous giving. In verse 44, it says that they went and sold everything. They went and sold some of their possessions, and then they brought the profits, the money, and actually they laid it at the apostles' feet so that everybody that was in need would have some. They didn't want any person in the family of faith to go without their needs being met. Even Jesus said, I was hungry. You fed me. I was outdoors. You found me affordable housing, that I was in prison. You came to see about me and got me in a reentry program back into society that I was sick. You got me some affordable health care. They said, well, when do we see you like that? Well, you've done it to the least of these. You've done it unto me. So these disciples understood that if I'm going to go back to what's supposed to be done and do it again, it involves generous gift. Some of us don't give the way we used to. We used to give, but we don't give that way anymore. And some, we use as an excuse what I'm going through. Like you're the only one in the pandemic. <laughs> you're the only one got a family problem. No, everybody got something going on. We say, well, I'm a single parent. Uh, well, I'm really going through. I don't make what I used to make. Yo, you, you are not, you are not the exception to the laws of God. We all need to pray. We all need to remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We, we, we all need to stay with the church. We all need to stay with God's word. You're, and we all need to give. You're not the exception because you're going through right now. You are not the exception to the laws of God no more than you are the exception to the laws of nature or the laws of science or the laws of gravity. And say, well, I'm going to fix income so gravity won't work for me. Gravity works for everybody. And the laws of God work for everybody. If you, if you stop trying to skip steps, go back and look. They were generous in their giving. They made sure everybody had something. And in Malachi chapter 3, it says, bring the tithe into the storehouse. And y'all, there's a blessing attached to the tithe, that God will open the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing. You don't have room enough to receive it. That's why every year in February at Eastern Star Church, we claim that to be all tithers month. It's to, it's to help people to understand God keeps his promises. At least for the month of February, 
bring your tithe, bring 10% of whatever increase you have. And God said, test me, prove me, and see when I open the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing, you won't have room enough to receive it all. It's to get us to stop skipping steps and give the way we're supposed to give. Let me do it like this and I'll move on. And that is this giving piece. I'm trying to show you there is a blessing attached to doing things God's way. This was in, in Las Vegas. Mason people, little uh, first grader, Mason people, uh, he went to school. It was school picture day. And, and I know y'all saw it. He wouldn't take his mask off for the photographer. So the photographer said, you need to take your mask off. We're going to see that big smile. And Mason said, that first grade, he said, I, I don't take my mask off to school because my mama told me not to take my mask off. My mama told me only take my mask off when I'm eating lunch or when I'm by myself, so I'm not taking off my mask. And the photographer said, I don't think your mother would mind if you take it off for one minute for me to snap your picture. He said, no, I always obey my mother. And my mother told me, don't take my mask. So the photographer took his picture. He's the only one in that book that has his mask on. And the photographer was so impressed with a little boy that always obeys his mother until the photographer put it on his own social media website and all that kind of stuff. And Nash, it, it went viral. And the na even national mainline media picked up on it. They were showing it on USA Today and uh, NBC and ABC, all this stuff, right? Because this boy obeyed his parent, his mom, and it, it just went viral. They talked to his mother, and his mother was explaining that people were calling her because they wanted to give Mason something. We, this was a little boy that obeys his mother. We want to reward him. And she said, no, I, we don't need anything. We're fine. We don't need anything. And we want to give him something anyway. So his mother started a GoFundMe page. And, to, and she said the goal was to raise $7 so she could give it to her son. Go back. You've been obedient. Here's $7. Go, go buy you something. The last I checked, that GoFundMe for little Mason was $38,000. I'm trying to show you something. Obedience pays. There's a reward to obedience. Y'all, if a little boy can get $38,000 because he obeyed his earthly mother, how much more shall we get when we obey our heavenly mother, our heavenly father? He's a father to the fatherless, a mother to the mother. My God will reward you by being obedient. How many of you know when you give, God will give back to you good measures, pressed down, shaken together, God will run it over in your life. I want us to get back to where we were with God. I want us to get back to the victory in Christianity. I want us to be successful. I want us to have that reconnect, that reset. But y'all, we got to stay with God's word and stay in the church. Don't let the enemy rob you of your prayer life. Your prayer is your weapon. And we got to learn how to give. Last one and I'm done. You want to make a successful come? You want to be the comeback person of Eastern Star Church? You got to learn how to praise God. We need some genuine praise. Too many of us, even in worship, just go through the motion. It said that they praise God every day. And y'all, you don't have to wait till the pandemic is over. You can shout right now. You can praise God right. You don't have to wait till you healed and got a good job and making money, your family's back together. You praise God in advance because you know God is going to work it out for you. We need more believers.
who are willing. And we got too many people talking about, it don't take all of that. How do you know what it takes for me to praise God? You don't know what God did for me. You don't know what doors he opened, what ways he made, what sins he forgave, what kind of soul I had when he saved me. It does take all of that. Um, oh, it's, it's um, championship football for NCAA, held in Indianapolis, Indiana. And so we have all these University of Alabama fans and University of Georgia fans, and all of them have come to Indianapolis. And we could tell whose side they're on. Y'all ain't helping me with this. You, you can look at them and tell that's a fan of Alabama. You can look at them and tell that's a fan of Georgia because not only are they fans, they're fanatic. That's where fan comes from. They're not just enthused. They're extreme. They're fanatic. And the reason why they are fanatic is because they think their team is fantastic. Because anytime you with a team that's fantastic, you ought to be fanatical fan. And y'all, if they'll look like that for Alabama, and you can listen to them and tell whose side they on, surely we ought to look the right part for God and how we walk and talk and obey and live. But they ought also be able to listen to us and tell that's a child of God. Anybody know God is fantastic? Then give God some praise in here. And stop telling people that they don't have to go through. It don't take all of that because you don't know my story or the pain that I've been through. You don't know what it took to get me here. Don't try to understand my praise. You'll never figure it out. But my worship, is, is there anybody your worship is for real? Then somebody give God glory in this house. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Thank you for listening to the Eastern Star Church podcast. We pray that you were blessed by that message. Please remember to like, rate, and share this podcast with someone who is in need of a spiritual reset. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and visit us on our website at easternstarchurch.org. Have a blessed week.